Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Throwback Bookstack. Uh, I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm Emily. And this week we're here to talk about Louis Sacker's book, Holes, which I had never read as a kid. Yeah, I read it when I was younger. My whole family read it. I don't know why. I think like Did my... you have a family book club? No. <laughs> I feel like my brother was assigned it for school, and I guess he like bought a copy for some reason. I don't really understand. It was like just sitting around our house, and I think slowly like we all read it. And then I even, like, later I bought it, like, a different copy and gave to my nephew. <laughs> so, like, my nephews and stuff have even read it. This is your family tradition. I don't know. We were all kind of bored and it was sitting around. Like, it happens a lot with us. Like, we'll all just read a book if we just, like, if you leave it in the living room long enough, like, someone else will pick it up and read it and be like, oh, yeah, I read that. It was sitting there. So did you guys talk about it at all? Or was it just, like, this unspoken knowledge? Yeah, we knowledge? all said, that's a good book. <laughs> So, it was, okay, so it wasn't unspoken. So you all knew you each read the book, but, like, did you ever discuss it at all? It was just, hey, I read this book. No, we just, like, we're all like, oh, that was a good book. Yeah, we all read that. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the time my dad read some, like, left some weird book about, like, dinosaur evolution now, and we all tried to read it. You could have learned a lot. I could have, but it was real boring. I'm sorry. I But dinosaurs are really fun. You know what? We're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I had never read this book. I don't really know why because i when i was a little kid like when i was in elementary school i'd read all of his younger grade books like sacker's all of his um wayside school books and was really into them and their sort of weird take on reality so i was kind of surprised that there was an older you know young teen teen sort of novel that i had not picked up and then i read it was like oh wow this is this is not what i expected yeah it's very different from that kind of stuff yeah, the more I think about it, the more it does seem weird that we all just picked it up and read it. <laughs> I guess this is one of those things you never realize is weird about your family until someone else points it out. Can I just leave books around your family's house? Yeah, please do. Just some sort of book trap? Yeah, I mean, we'll just, we'll read it. It's not really a trap. <laughs> <laughs> so, Holes, it's a book. Um, I am going to, I think, give a summary then. If you haven't read it yet, I'm about to tell you everything that happens. So you can follow along in our discussion. If you would like to read it first, maybe step away from the podcast, read it, come back. So basically, the book is the story of Stanley Yelnats. Uh, his name is a palindrome, which is delightful. He's Stanley Yelnats the fourth, and it's a story about him, basically his family that has terrible luck. Um, his grandfather, who they refer to as his no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing great grandfather had basically put, accidentally caused what may have been a curse upon the family. And the story sort of talks about Stanley's life. Basically, he is in the wrong place at the wrong time and is accidentally accused of stealing a pair of sneakers that were being sold as a charity uh, function to raise money for a homeless shelter. And so he gets sent to this juvenile detention camp, which is basically a camp out in this dried up lake where you dig holes all day. You dig a five foot by five foot hole. And that's all you do. And it's really this horrible horrible situation where you're kind of kept from food and water and you're digging holes and it jumps around between the story of Stanley and his situation out in Greenlight Camp and the story of his great-grandfather and how this curse was placed on the family and then also the story of kissing Kate Barlow who was this outlaw and sort of all of these stories converge around Greenlight and the story of the family and so it kind of weaves all of these stories together in the history of Green Lake and sort of the current narrative of what's going on. Basically, he digs a bunch of holes. They're told if they find anything interesting to report it to the warden. He ends up 
finding a couple things and sort of getting to know the other kids in camp, and it's kind of a, a complicated interpersonal society. But he ends up finding a lipstick tube that belonged to the outlaw Kiss and Kate Barlow. And it turns out that basically they're trying to dig holes to find Kiss and Kate Barlow's treasure, which actually belonged to Stanley's great-grandfather. Great-great-grandfather? Great-grandfather. Stanley Yelnett's the first. maybe his grandfather. Yeah, Stanley Yelnett's the first. And so he befriends this kid named Zero who can't read, but is really good with numbers. And so he teaches Zero to read. And then at some point, um, there's a fight and Zero basically ends up running away from the camp. Um, it ends up where... Stanley follows him out there, and they're sort of following the path of the stories that had been laid out by his grandfather about when he'd gotten stranded out there because he'd been attacked by Kiss and Kate Barlow and had his treasure stolen and was left out there. And they sort of interact with pieces from that history. And then in the end, they do end up digging up the treasure. <laughs> yeah, he unintentionally breaks the curse on the family because it turns out that his friend Zero is a descendant of the, like, fortune... Because, so his great, great, dirty, pigs, rotten, pig-stealing grandfather had basically fallen in love with a woman and wanted to win her. And so he had gone and talked to the local fortune teller, and she had basically told him to carry this pig up a mountain every day and sing a song to the pig, and that at the end of a certain amount of time, he would be, you know, his pig would be the strongest, of, the biggest pig of all, and that it would be bigger than this other suitor, and that he would win the competition for this girl, and that her only request was that he carried her up at the mountain in the end so that she could drink the waters at the top of the mountain. And he broke that promise because he ended up not wanting that girl because she didn't really want him and he left the new world, but he had broken his promise to this fortune teller. And it turns out that Stanley's friend Zero is the descendant, so they inadvertently are able to fulfill the promise when, when Zero is dying of thirst. He basically helps carry Zero up a mountain and they find water. Um, and part of that is also all of them dealing with the story of Kiss and Kate Barlow, who basically was this beloved school teacher in town and really lovely. And she fell in love with the onion seller who was black. And so, of course, they are in a town of racists who decide to kill them as a result of them falling in love. And so basically, so when they kill Sam the onion seller, as a result of him kissing Kate, she proceeds to go kill the deputy, start terrorizing the town, and basically go on this outlaw streak in vengeance of her lost love. Um, and so they then find, like, Sam's onion fields, which help protect them. And so in the end, they do get found by the warden, and the onion stench and the onion juices protect them from these poisonous lizards. <laughs> it sounds wild, but it's great. And they end up getting away with the treasure because it has Stanley's name on it since... It was his grandfather, Stanley Yelnats I, and they end up sort of living happily ever after because the curse has been broken in Zero. They're able to help use the money to help Zero find his family, and they sort of are able to, um, with the curse broken, like his family is able to then have success again, and they find a cure for foot odor. <laughs> and so it's a really interesting story that weaves these three very disparate narratives together in a really interesting way. Yeah, this book is complicated. There is a lot going on. As you can tell by the almost, fact that my summary was off the board. <laughs> almost every single thing in here is a plot point later on. Like, there's very little that's not in there for a reason. This is just an entire book of Chekhov guns. Yeah, because at first like, you start hearing the story of his relatives, and it's told a lot of ways like a fairy tale or that sort of, you know, family story. And... You get the feeling, oh yeah, this will probably show up again, but you don't realize it's literally setting up the entire structure of the second half of the book. Yeah, and so like like I said, I remember this from, as a kid, I remember really liking it. I also remember thinking it was very long, 
which it's not exactly, it just has a lot going on. I was actually surprised that it's not, like, a 700-page giant book, because I just remember it being so, like, so much. Um, and the only other things I remembered about this book was, like, oh, I remember they digged holes, digged holes, they dug holes, and that there was a thing about racism, and I remember being really disgusted by the onions, which is still true. They live off of raw onions for, like, a week. Yeah. And they eat, like, there's, like, one section where the onion seller sells someone onion juice that they drink, which almost made me gag. <laughs> like, ugh. In the book, ugh. the onions cure anything that ails you. Basically, any illness you have will be healed by these magical onions. I will die before I will eat onions. <laughs> you would not have done well in this book or at Greenlight Camp, then. Those lizards would have gotten me. Yeah. But it is, like, even though it sounds really complicated, it is a book for, like, younger readers, so it, when you read it, it all ties together very nicely, and it's not, it's not hard to follow what's happening. You keep being, like, especially towards the end, when it seems like every two seconds, something else, like, a piece falls into the puzzle, and you're like, oh, that's why they ate the onions, to save them from the lizards. Oh, kissing Kate was Miss Barlow, the school teacher. Oh, she's pissed because they killed her love because he's black. It is really intense. That was one thing I didn't expect, actually, because I'd read sort of his younger grade stuff. And it's a lot more sort of like fun, wild adventures in a vaguely magical realism space. This was intense because immediately you're basically getting into these kids who are in a juvenile detention center where they're being physically abused and mentally abused and being deprived of food and water and basically being tortured. And you have all these kids with these rough backgrounds and have really struggled. And you're just, it's a really intense situation that I just, I didn't expect. And I was like, oh, it's a book where they go dig some holes. And it's like, oh no, they're in prison digging holes. Yeah, it's a fun book about racism and the the prison system and <laughs> for kids. Um, but it they is do though, have it does handle slight... all of these issues really well, I think. Yeah, it, it prepares you for it a little earlier on in the book when they have an argument about Stanley is teaching Zero to read because he doesn't know how to read. And um, as a, like, return for the favor, Zero agrees to dig part of his hole every day. But then they, like, they're, like, 12-year-old boys, so they don't think of a good plan for how to do this. <laughs> so, like, it ends up with Stanley just, like, awkwardly standing there while Zero digs for him. And the other boys start getting on his case, and they're like, oh, you're just the white boy letting the black boy dig for you? Like... He's not afraid to go to those places, even though it's for kids. It's very raw, and they do point out early on that all these kids, you know, they have several kids that are African-American, several kids that are white, uh, several kids that are Latino, so you have this sort of mix of boys from different backgrounds who are together, and they're all kind of unified in their sort of shared experience of this horrible, torturous place, but you do still have some, like, tension dynamics that come up. And I think they handle it all really, especially, I mean... The story of Kate Barlow and Sam is just incredibly depressing, and you viscerally hate everyone in that town. Oh, yeah. It's super depressing. But also, like, in some ways... Because it starts out as a sweet love story between them. Yeah. Like, and she's just... She doesn't... She turns down this rich guy in town because he smells terrible and she doesn't love him. And then Sam, the sweet onion seller, and, and Mary Lou, the donkey, are always around. And it's really sweet. And then basically the town's like responds by lynching him and it's this horrible really visceral moment that i think is a really you know real and yeah strong take i will say that i really like her yeah. like that she was like okay so you were totally racist and killed the guy i'm in love with so you know what i'm gonna do 
I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> like, she does not mess around. She becomes an outlaw where basically, so like, he has killed her love because someone saw them kissing. And when they first start coming after him the next morning, she runs to the police and the sheriff is like, well, I heard you kiss people, so how about kissing me then? And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm here for help. And so when their escape from town fails, she decides to become an outlaw and she goes and she kills the sheriff and then she puts on lipstick and kisses him. And that's how she gets the name. And that's like her calling card. Yeah. She leaves a lipstick mark of a kiss mark on their cheek after she kills them. That's how she gets the name Kissing Kate. And you find out that when she robs Stanley's grandfather, like she didn't kill him or kiss him or anything and it's like well part of that is probably because she's not just a bloodthirsty like out for anything like she really is trying to start out by taking revenge on terrible people and that's who she killed i mean i'm not saying she's great she did like rob the guy (laughs) i mean she does do everything in a pretty great manner though (laughs) she's a pretty great outlaw yeah i really like her i kind of wish that and there's a movie of this, and I've never seen it. I haven't either. But I was like, I feel like it'd be a really cool Halloween costume. <laughs> Plus, I love that basically the town, what they did causes a curse on the town. Like, this book is big on curses, where then the rain dries up, and everyone ends up, basically the town ends up deserted, and everyone leaves and loses their fortune because the rain dries up, there's no more crops. Everything kind of falls apart because they're all fucking monsters. Yeah, this is almost a kind of like magical realism for kids book (laughs) like curses are real and but it's nice because they never like they play around with the curses a bit where they kind of always leave that sort of opening of like i don't believe in curses but it's definitely cursed but like maybe it wasn't a curse but it's definitely a curse yeah i think this book also has an interesting take on women because since it's like a correctional camp for boys there are no younger girl characters So most of the women you see in the book are, like, incredibly strong, Mm -hmm. like, in one way or another. You don't see the warden of the camp for a while. You just, like, hear about him or her, as it turns out being, it's because it's a lady, and, like, are kind of, like, set up for this, like, evil person. And then when they first come out and it's, like, this woman and everyone's just, like, terrified of her. It's really cool. I mean, she's terrible, but, like... And she's terrifying for a reason. She has this venom she puts on her nails. And she'll, like, claw your face so your face will swell up and you might die from it. That's intense. Yeah, and she kind of has a, like, I don't know, gives off kind of a, like, Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada type. Like, she doesn't scream a lot. She just, like, softly talks at them. Like, do you really want to do that? I don't know who plays the warden in the movie, but I want it now to be Meryl Streep. Yeah, we've never, I haven't seen this movie, obviously, (laughs) so. (laughs) But, like, so there's, like, her and then there's Kissing Kate, who, even before she becomes an outlaw, is, like, this really incredible, like, school teacher who doesn't listen to the rest of the town and, like... And there's, um... I mean, not many other females. No, I mean... There's, like, a... Stanley's mother comes up briefly but isn't really mentioned much. Yeah. And the girl who marries the first cursed Stanley mm-hmm. and, like, the fortune teller. But they're all, like, makes a point to be, like, even the ones who aren't mentioned much. Like, the first one, when she marries him and he's like, I'm cursed, that's why all this bad stuff is happening... She, like, doesn't really care. She's just like, well, that's our lot in life, I guess. <laughs> like, can you teach me that cool song that the chorus was, like, based off of? And that's the other thing is, like, this song that the, like, his great-great-grandfather sang to the pig is, like, the passed-down song through the family and comes up again and again. And 
there's so many thematic elements that come and play again and again. And the language is so good. It's fun, even though it's very serious, heavy topics. It's written in this really light way that like never takes away the seriousness of the moments. But like the wordplay is so clever. Yeah. It's just delightful to read. He's those, so good with words. Those onions, though. I mean, I'm not anti-onion. Oh, I hate onions, so the onions really traumatize me. I'm just not... I mean, I wouldn't eat also the raw part, onions. There's also a part where um, when Zero first runs away into the desert, he finds some old preserves. That was gross. That he eats, and like they save his life, but they also are what make him like really sick, obviously, because when I say they're old preserves, like... You, as the reader, know that they're preserves that Kissing Kate made before she was an outlaw. So they're like, what, at least they're 60 like or 70. Old. Yeah. They're old. Yeah. And he eats them. And I was just like, Because they were made in the same generation as Stanley the First, And this is the stories of Stanley the Fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. No. The second, yeah, I realized what those were. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, this book is book wild. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to say about the book, I'm really glad I didn't notice that you have the one with the old cover. So that was the cover I had, which is so 90s. It's so 90s. I love it. Like, first off, it's like, it's that like purple and red combo that's very 90s. And it looks like it was made on a computer where they were like, look at this digital art you can make. Very <laughs> early digital art of like half of a boy's head. I had the Kindle version from the library, and I think it might have been the movie cover, maybe? It's Probably. like like a photo of a boy's foot in a hole or something. Yeah, I think that was like the cover of the, the movie poster. Yeah, it's not as great. This is so, like, old school. I love it. Yeah, this book is, is very... Yeah, this cover is wild. It also tells you nothing about the book. No, and it looks kind of like they're on the moon. Yeah, right? I also, like, if the holes were that far apart... Like, it'd be really easy to miss the treasure. But, I mean, it sounded like they were pretty far apart, because look how much of the lake they were trying to cover. And because they need to have enough space around the holes, because one big issue when they get into sort of the process of making holes is they really deep dive into, like, what it's like to dig this five foot by five foot hole every day. And it's, it's five, you have basically your, your shovel is, like, five feet, so you have to make sure your shovel goes to the top of the top of the sort of handle of it and that your shovel can lay flat in it and spin all the way around. So you have to have enough space around your hole to put your dirt, but you need to make sure it's far enough out that your dirt doesn't collapse in when you're making your hole. I learned a lot about making holes, guys. I've learned so much about hole digging. This is a terrible system to find a treasure. I just feel like there's so much possibility of missing something. I also love that they're fucking with that whole thing as a kid about like you when you dig holes as a kid, they're like, hey kids, you know that thing you like to do where you dig a hole and you're trying to find dinosaur fossils or like dig a hole to china guess what what if holes were horrible i did never i never wanted to dig a hole see Wait, what which is also funny because that's a part in the book where like the one guy is talking to stanley about it and he's like and it's first it's fun because you know when you're a kid and you always wanted to dig a hole and stanley's like i have no clue what you're talking about but i'm gonna agree with you because you're trying to be nice to me so in this scenario i'm stanley and you're I can't remember what kid it was talking about. I don't remember. Each of the kids gets their own nickname in camp, basically. Like, Stanley becomes Caveman. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I liked digging holes as a kid. I was super into dinosaurs. I would have totally read that dinosaur book. Your family rejected unmercilessly. It was fine. It was just, like, real boring. Yeah. You know why? Because learning is boring sometimes. We all read it. I mean, I wouldn't say rejected. I would have read it and enjoyed it because I was always digging holes because I was convinced if I dig a hole deep enough, I would find a dinosaur. I did not. 
I was like, maybe you weren't in the right area. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to get into the geography of where to best find dinosaur bones in this country. <laughs> Isn't it like Colorado? Yeah, we went to like a dinosaur place in Utah one time for a family vacation. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't the only place we went, but well, and we the like Rockies, through it. The Rockies have a Triceratops as their mascot because like a dinosaur skeleton was found where the stadium was built. Oh my God. You're talking about baseball. Yeah. I don't know why, but I thought you were talking about the Rocky Mountains. I mean. Just in general. And I was like, I didn't know the mountains had a mascot. <laughs> you know what? You're hiking the Continental Divide Trail and there's a fun mascot at the I'm not going to lie, station. though. I also did not know that the Rockies had, uh, like, I mean, I know all teams have a mascot, but I don't think I ever realized what there's worse. I didn't know it until the A's were playing the Rockies and I was watching the game and went, what's that purple thing dancing in the background? And a bunch of other A's fans went, hey, I also don't know. And finally, someone looked it up and was like, wait, did anyone know their mascot was was a dinosaur? We're like, no. I don't think I know what a lot of teams' mascot is. I think I feel like if it's not obvious from your logo what it is, like, I'm assuming that, like, the Blue Jays is a Blue Jay. or like, I would hope so. Otherwise, I would the, have many questions. I just assume it's a terrifying, giant, baseball-headed man. Like, <laughs> what team is that? Like, Mr. Mets. Met? Yeah. I just assume that every team has one of those. Unless you're actually named after something. I mean, you're not. No, you're totally wrong. I mean, I'm wrong. You can tell me. It's fine. I just, I'm telling you what I thought until this moment where I was like, I thought the Rockies mascot was like, like a man, but like a baseball head. <laughs> not like a man dressed like as a mountain. No, although that would also be funny. Like, what's that triangle in the outfield? <laughs> That's our mascot. What's that pile Mr. of rocks? Mountain. I'm seeing it wave. Oh my god. That'd be great. I'm okay with this. I've anyway, been to their holes. stadium. It's very pretty. <laughs> I did too. It's a nice stadium. Yeah. Holes. There are no oh, holes sorry. Back to the book. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much... Oh my god, it was very good. Um, I also want to say that in terms of um, books that have aged well, like, I know it's not that old, but, like, it's aged fine. Yeah. Like, there's not any, like, obnoxious slang, really, that I noticed. Because they're at, like, a camp in the middle of the desert, it really takes away a lot of technology problems very neatly. I will say one reason it's probably aged well is, unlike some of our other books, this was published in 1998. Well, it's true, but there's, like, no, there's no, like, why don't they have a cell phone? It's like, yeah. well, they wouldn't anyway, because they're at a prison camp. Yeah. You know, or, like, I mean, there is, like, uh, there's one TV in the place, and it's, like, okay. No, that's true, actually. That you makes know, a great and... point, because that's definitely one of an issue, one of the issues with, sort of, the aging of books is the issues of young people and technology. And this one, there's a perfectly good excuse for why you don't have access to anything, is they're pretty clear up front. You have nothing. You're in this prison camp. Yeah. So, it kind of, like, takes away that. And, like I said, I don't think he writes, like, with overly obnoxious anything that, like, really dates it. Mm-hmm. There's not really any, like, references, because uh, so much of the world is fake. You know, like, even the outlaw is fake. They reference, like, a sports star, but he's fake. It's not, like, yeah. a real one, so... It... There's, like, a thing at the end where I guess they reference that the Super Bowl happens. Okay, so if you were supposed to take one lesson from this book, what would it be? Are you asking me what <laughs> I personally took away from yeah. it? Or, like what you think the moral is trying to be. Oh, no. Like, I would say, in my opinion, the lesson of this book is don't be an asshole. When a fortune teller says carry her up a mountain, you carry her up a mountain. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, like, don't back out on promises. Don't 
be racist. Don't eat old preserves that you find in the ground. <laughs> I think, actually, no. I think I think the real lesson uh, we're supposed to get from this book is if you're in an area with poison lizards, just eat the onions. Yeah, like, be careful about poison lizards. Actually, they never really tell you what to do about that. I mean... <laughs> well, no, they tell you. They They're tell like, you... if you get the lizards on you, you're going to die. Yeah. Unless you've eaten onions. Well, they never tell you that because we know that's yeah. why because Sam knew, but the people there don't know why. Yeah. They just think it's a miracle when the lizard jumps on Stanley and doesn't bite him. And it's like, lizards ate onions. And honestly, lizards, same. <laughs> like, I get it. I'm on their side. You're team lizard? Uh, I mean, I'm always team lizards. They're so cute. These ones sound really creepy. <laughs> you know what's creepy about them? It's the black teeth. They're described as being, like, lime green with yellow spots and, like, a white tongue and, like, red-rimmed eyes. And all that I can get behind. But then they have black teeth that, like, stick out that you can see, like, black fangs. And I'm like, well, that's creepy. Yes. Yes, it is. I, they're supposed to be creepy. Oh, but they're so, like, I don't know. There's, like, the scene where, um, so Kissing Kate eventually dies because she's bit by a lizard. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, the lizard jumps on her and it bites her. And then she starts bleeding, and it's like, she's just sitting there laughing, and then the lizard is, like, licking up her blood. And I know that's supposed to be a terrifying scene, but I was like, that's so cute! They're kind of like friends! Also, can we just say, one great thing about Kissing Kate is she's basically kidnapped by the guy that had tried to marry her originally that she turned down because he smelled weird. And they're basically, at this point, the town is poor, he's lost all his money, so they know she has treasure. They've kidnapped her to get the treasure. And, like, she goes down just cackling because she'll never tell them where it is she gets bit by this lizard and her last words are start digging and he does they have generations of this family all they do is dig these holes yeah it's kind of crazy i mean they're obviously insane there are better ways to make money people <laughs> if they had spent all that time learning about investing or learning how to code <laughs> um so if we were trapped in that hole I feel like we would have survived the yellow lizards because I would have eaten the onions and you would have befriended the lizards. They're so cute. <laughs> also, they eat tarantulas. And if there's two things I hate in this world, and there are at least five things I hate in this world, but top of that list is onions and spiders. So so I should not put a tarantula on top of an onion and give it to you for some sort of holiday. <laughs> oh my god. I just freaked out while we were thinking that. <laughs> there was actually a spider on my ceiling last night and I was like, I'll just never sleep again. It's fine. Other day. Got out of the shower, wrapped a towel around my hair, looked in the mirror. A spider basically dropped down. It had climbed out of my towel. And like, I see this like spider and this like inch and a half diameter spider in front of my face. At which point I basically start screaming and flee from my skin. I want you to look at me right now. Take a good hard look because you're never going to see me this clean again. Because I'm <laughs> never taking a shower again now. I couldn't figure out where it came from because I'm like, I had this moment of like, was it in my towels? Was it in the pantry with my towels? Did it come through the hole in the ceiling of my shower? Because I don't want to get in that tiny box ever again now. Why do you have a hole in your shower ceiling? You know what? I feel like we're <laughs> off track about the book. Anyway, my point was... I don't know what my point was. There are a lot of lessons to be learned in this book. Yeah. Oh, this is going back a little bit, but you know what other females in this book who's really rad? Hmm. Is at the end, this lawyer shows up. Oh my god, the lawyer's so good. She's so great. This, like, fucking lawyer shows up, and she's the one who basically is supposed to take Stanley home. And she's, like, the attorney general ends up at the camp because she calls him in and is like, look what's happening. 
And then she just, like, is taking other guys away. She's like, what are you going to do to stop me? Like, they're coming with me. Because <laughs> they decide when Zero runs away, they're just going to eliminate all of Zero's records, burn them, destroy them all, and just be like, he never existed, basically. To pretend that he was never there. So when they come to get Zero, they're like, bring out his records. They're like, he can't take him away. He's a criminal. They're like, bring out his records. Oh, wait, you don't have them? by taking him with us. Yeah, the attorney general's like, well, we can't find him right now. And she's like, so what's your plan? To just keep him here forever? Like, how long has he been here? Maybe his time's already up. And he's like, well... And he's like, yeah, get in the car, kid. <laughs> it's really great. She's awesome. She's only in for, like, three pages, but she's but very, very good great. Pages. This book, if it had one complaint, it's that it's really hard for me to relate to Stanley. He's not a character that you really get into his head much. A lot of times when you do, it's just him, like, talking about the stories in his family or, like... I don't know, he's very quiet and stuff, which is not to say I can't relate to that. I felt like there was a little bit of distance with his character. We weren't given a lot of his internal life necessarily, even though we, I mean, we were given a certain amount of how things were affecting him, but we weren't giving a lot of his internal space. But I don't know, I felt him somewhat relatable because I mean, he was sort of acting as the audience standing where he was really there to sort of surround us with all these things that were happening and to let us sort of feel reactions to them I felt oh man though I will say like the writing on this just still boggles me like if I were a literary agent and got like these first two chapters of this book I'd be like hello I need all of this now um because the first chapter they talk about it's just like two pages and it's talking about Green Lake and it mentions the only trees are two old oaks on the eastern edge of the quote lake a hammock is stretched between the two trees and a log cabin stands behind that the campers are forbidden to lie in the hammock it belongs to the warden the warden owns the shade and they go and talk about the lizards, and then it goes, But you don't want to be bitten by a yellow-spotted lizard. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. You will die a slow and painful death. Always. If you get bitten by a yellow-spotted lizard, you might as well go into the shade of the oak trees and lie in the hammock. There is nothing anyone can do to you anymore. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, it's really <laughs> That's brutal. your start of this book. Yeah, he does a very good job with, like, descriptions, and just, like, his tone and stuff is very good. It's all very lovely to read. Um, I actually don't have that many quotes just because, like, what, am I going to quote the whole book? Like, Pretty much. That was my problem was I was like, there's no quote in here that's not tying into knowledge of something else on the page or the chapter or the book. Everything is so interrelated. It's hard to just pull a quote, which I think is probably like the best thing about the book is like, I can't quote this. It's it's too yeah. good. I have this one quote. It's one of the few that made me laugh. Like there is humor and stuff in this. It's not really quite as jokey. Um, as some of the other books we've read, it's more just of like, the tone is more humorous. But this exchange did make me laugh a little. Stanley's talking to Zero, and it's after they both run away. And Stanley was like, kind of half-heartedly, like, maybe we should go back. And Zero doesn't want to. I'm not digging any more holes, said Zero. They won't make you dig, Stanley promised. They'll probably send you to a hospital, like Barf Bag. Uh, Barfbag is the nickname for the camper that was there earlier that left. Barfbag stepped on a rattlesnake, said Zero. Stanley remembered how he'd almost done the same. I guess he didn't hear the rattle. He did it on purpose, said Zero. You think? He took off his shoe and sock first. I just really like the image of a little kid, not like a little kid, but like a teenager, like taking off their shoe and sock and then like stepping on a rattlesnake. <laughs> Which is dark as fuck, so thanks for that, Emily. It was funny! It was a funny exchange! <laughs> that, I mean, so much of this book is really dark humor. Yeah, it's like that category in uh, 
you know, award shows where you're always like, is it a drama or is it a comedy? Dramedy. Ugh, I hate that word. It's a terrible word. <laughs> but have you found anything better? I mean, I haven't been looking. Uh, so what's your rating for this? I would give this probably like a nine. I thought it was really good and solid. Uh, once I started reading it, I remembered why I liked it. There's a lot going on. I think people of a lot of different ages will enjoy it. Like, like read it yourself. Give it to your nephews. Give it to any random kid you know. I don't know. It's all good. Everyone likes it. The only reason I'm giving it a 9 instead of a 10 is because I'm not sure, and this is maybe just my opinion, that it has as much, like, rereadability. I read it and I really enjoyed it, but it's not something I want to, like, keep going back to. Like you said, it is a good dark comedy, and a lot of what makes it good, I think, is in discovering, oh, that's how that fits together. So it's not something that's like, I want to keep going back to be with these characters. No, I think that makes sense. I would also give it a nine for a lot of the same reasons. Um, I think it's really fun. The writing is amazing. It's really good. I think everyone should read it. You read it. Your friends read it. Your kids read it. Other people's kids read it. Go to the park and leave a copy on top of the jungle gym and creep away. May I suggest just leaving it in your living room and see if your whole family will (laughs) read it? (laughs) That apparently works. So we'll go with that. Yeah, it's really good. But again, I, I have that same concern about rereadability. And it was a great book to sort of go along with the plot, but it didn't give me a sense of anticipation while reading it. It was the kind of book where I could put a bookmark in and walk away for a while. And for me, like to get a 10, I feel like I need that sort of like, well, this is what I'm doing for the rest of the day feeling of I'm not leaving this spot until this book is in my face. Also, there's a lot of disgusting food they eat. That's not a bad thing. I mean, just the onions and those preserves. And also, they drink a lot of dirty water. I was very I mean, worried about them choice. getting cholera. Yeah. I mean, he did get sick. And he did. Not as sick as you'd think. Yeah. That's because the onions are healing. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of also, like, if... Except, like, if you're not... If you have problems with reading stories about basically children being abused, because that's what this story is, yeah. then, then no, don't read this book. It's really definitely... I could see this hat being really triggering for folks that have a lot of issues, especially with things like deprivation or, like... There's a lot of basically withholding water from kids to torture them, which is yes. really horrifying. There's also, yeah, and a lot of, like, verbal abuse of, like, people in authority basically like mocking them and making fun of them and like really taking things out on them so yeah if you've ever been in those kind of situations like maybe don't read this book yeah yeah, it might bring back some bad feelings it is pretty brutal so if that's something you're not into that then this would be a good one to give a pass to yes the lynching part is also not great although i will say that kind of happens off camera as it is yeah i mean still the racism is still pretty visceral Yes, I was just talking about specifically the death. You at least don't have to, like, read through a play-by-play account. Yeah. So it's got, you know, it's got some heavy themes. Like, it's definitely, it's very intense for the person that wrote Wayside School is falling down. Yeah, and even so, though, I don't feel like it's a bad thing. Like, I don't know what ages are recommended, but, like, I gave it to my nephew when he was, like, eight or something. Like, despite the fact that it goes through these heavy themes and stuff, it does it in a way that doesn't seem like you need to hide it from younger kids. Yeah, it handles them all well, and I feel like it does sort of invite conversation with an adult figure about these topics more than sort of plays them in a way that's more problematic. I don't know. Yeah, give to kids. Mm-hmm. Give them this. Give them the spotted lizards <laughs> and the onions. Onions. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so that's our review of Holes. In two weeks, we're going to be doing A Wrinkle in Time, which is very timely with the movie coming out. If you want to get in touch with us, we have an email now. You can 
reach us at throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account. Emily, did you know we have a Twitter account? I'm not on Twitter, so I did not know that. <laughs> Our Twitter account is throwbackbspod. Um, so feel free to reach out with us. If you enjoyed, a great name. Right? <laughs> if you enjoyed digging holes as a child, let us know. If you did not enjoy digging holes as a child, please throw your support to Emily on this. I mean, it's manual labor. Like... <laughs> But there's things, you don't know what's the bottom of the hole. There yeah, could be treasure. Like mud, probably. Uh, in this case, there was, in fact, treasure. <laughs> Children were proved right. I mean, I guess. Who knows what treasures lurk in my backyard that have never been discovered. Although, you know what? My sisters did dig up, you know, I'm not going to go into what my sisters dig up. Old pets. They, like, tried oh, to God. find the old pets. They weren't, like, cats or dogs, I want to say. It was, like, mice and gerbils. You literally just said you weren't going to. Yeah, but then you gave me a look. <laughs> And I was afraid you would think it was something worse than that. That's, I mean, that's still pretty bad. They wanted to find, to see if they could find the bones. So they intentionally went to dig up old pets? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you did not dig up old pets, but dig up other things, uh, please let us know. It'd be really cool if you reach out to us. Let us know if you like this book. Um, like our friends over at The Historical Hotties, uh, apparently... We're inspired by the Egypt game as kids and played the Egypt game, and that's delightful. So let us know if this book inspired you to dig holes as a kid. Or maybe if the opposite, if it wrecked your love of holes forever. And so, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, our music this week is Heartbreaker by Jazar at betterwithmusic.com. And I think that's everything. So thanks for joining us today, and hopefully you'll join us again in two weeks. I feel like I give away a lot about weird things my family does.